my intention tonight is to uh, really be a facilitator more than I'm going to be a, a preacher, so to speak. Uh, because what I want to do is have you help us with the lesson, because we're going to sing some songs. We've done this before. And we're going to have different ones read some scripture, and we've done that before. And I'll facilitate and uh, add some comments then as we go. It was, uh, and tonight's topic is really based on some ideas that uh, I heard from Mike Roy and Norm Harbour a couple of summers ago in their uh, vacation Bible series that they were doing up at Broadmoor. And uh, when Phil called me on Friday night and asked me if I could uh, speak tonight, and he said Mike was preaching this morning, I thought of that and thought, well, since we're beginning a new year, some of the, uh, the ideas in this topic will be worth considering as we uh, look forward to 2008. Well, what I want us to do is to consider some responses toward God's instruction for us to go, for different individuals to go. And as we look at several uh, scriptures in the Bible, let's think about what their responses were. Start out in the book of Jonah, though. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness had come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But of course, we recall the rest of that story. Jonah fled by way of boat toward Tarshish, toward the, the area of Spain, in the western part of the Mediterranean. And because he fled, God sent a, a great storm that rocked the boat. Everybody was uh, fearful for their lives because of that. And so through some convincing on Job's part, the sailors on the boat decided to cast Job overboard so that they would appease God. And then, of course, Jonah was swallowed by that great fish that God had prepared. And he stayed in the belly of the great fish for three days, after which he was spat out. Then he went and did what God had instructed. Let's sing another song. I'll be reading from 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning of verse 1, and continuing through verse 15. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back a young captive girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went and told his master, saying, Thus and thus, says the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought, uh, excuse me, then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened, when the king of Israel read this letter, that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive? That this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. 
So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farber, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the rivers and waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped, in the, uh, dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God and all his, time, uh, and all his age, and came and stood before him. And he said, Indeed, now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. You will turn to Exodus chapter 3. We'll be reading the whole, whole chapter. Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. And now, behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me, Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to, him, say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? 
And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite to a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will, pe- they will pay heed to what you say. And you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt and you will say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor and the woman who lives in her house articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And you will put them on your sons and daughters. Thus you will plunder the Egyptians. We'll continue that reading in chapter 4 of Exodus. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they will say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again, and drew it out of his bosom, and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be that if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land, and the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. And Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. But he said, O my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So the the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and he will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, 
and you shall be him be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the sign. I've been asked to read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. My Bible has this section headed up, Promises to Abram. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Well, I want to talk about these examples that we just looked at in terms that everybody from the oldest down to those who are younger can understand very clearly. Water fountains that way. Uh, uh, water. Can I have some water, please? I might get in trouble for opening this, so I'm going to put this down right here. No, no water? No, you can't do it? Thank you. All right, all those who are younger, you know what just happened, don't you? Remember that story, Jonah? God said, you go preach to the Assyrians. And what did Jonah do? He ran the other way, didn't he? That's what Phil just did with the water for a minute there. And then we looked at Naaman. And Naaman, and thank you very much, Phil. I need that tonight anyway, so it's a good night for that. And then we looked at Naaman. Of course, Naaman had that dreaded disease, leprosy. And he went to the man of God, Elisha in this case, and asked him what he should do. And Elisha didn't even go out to him, you might recall, but he told him what he should do. He should go dip in the Jordan seven times. And what did Naaman think? He wanted to substitute, just like Phil brought this substitute for a glass of water. He wanted to substitute with his own way of doing things. He thought, well, the rivers of Damascus, they're a lot better than the river Jordan, that muddy old thing. These rivers are a lot better. I thought he would do something grand. And, of course, he wasn't cleansed of his leprosy until he put his will aside and decided not to substitute and go and do what God said. And then, of course, we looked at Moses. And although Moses overall we think of as a faithful person, when Moses was first told, to go into the land of Egypt and go before Pharaoh and give that directive that he was to let the people go, let Israel go. Moses didn't want to have any part of that, did he? And he made excuses. You know, well, that, that's not for me, Lord. You know, I, I'm not eloquent. I, I'm no good at that. Don't, let, don't make me do it. 
and the Lord had provision for everything, every excuse that Moses made. Finally, Moses just finally, near the end of that reading that uh, Kurt was reading in Exodus, the fourth chapter, finally just said, please, Lord, somebody else, because he didn't have any other good excuses. And the Lord said his anger was kindled against Moses, and he said, no, you go. And, of course, we know the rest of that story, too, that Moses did end up going. And then finally, we read a few verses Mark did uh, about Abraham, Genesis the 12th chapter 1 through 4, where Abraham was given instruction to go to this new land that God would show him and to dwell there. And we learn one of my favorite passages is Hebrews the 11th chapter in verse 8, because it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would afterward receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. And so Abraham departed the land that he was familiar with and went to a land that he had never seen before. Well, I say all that to say this. <coughs> if the Lord wills, we're going to have 366 days in 2008 to serve him. And this is a little bit of an aside, because it's free, by the way. I'll just throw this in. If you want to read your Bible, you know, if you read three and one-quarter chapters per day, you'll read the whole Bible through in a year. And if you read 10 chapters a week, that's a little, a little over a chapter a day, you will read through the New Testament twice in a year. So those are some good goals. But specifically, what I want to talk about is that we've been given the directive to go as well, in a sense. Look over in Matthew, the 28th chapter, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus gives the Great Commission specifically to the apostles. But he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And again, this is specifically given, it's directly given to the apostles, and yet it shows God's interest in saving the souls of mankind throughout the world. And God wants us to take action regarding that. Look over in Acts the 8th chapter and verse 4. There after Saul of Tarsus had wreaked havoc on the church and was persecuting everybody following the stoning of Stephen, it says in verse 4, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. The early Christians saw that there was a need to spread the good news of the gospel of Christ. Then, of course, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul tells Timothy, And the things you have heard from me before many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who are able to teach others also. And so we can clearly see the importance of teaching others when we look at the Word of God. We need to be doing the same thing. There are lost souls all over the world. Now, I brought a globe in. Just so I can pick out some countries at random that need the gospel. Now, of course, what's this? Spain. Are the people of Spain being taught the gospel? Who's going to teach them? Do you know of any churches in Spain? Ultimately, we know that God's the one that knows who his people are, and it's not always our responsibility to know that. But somebody needs to teach people in Spain, don't they? What about Turkey? Churches, the location where there were churches in the New Testament times. Are there churches there today? Are there people of God there today? Does somebody need to go and teach the people of Turkey? What about Sudan? 
favorite place we hear about on the news. They've got all kinds of atrocities going on, genocide and killing of people. Do the people of Sudan need to hear the gospel? What about Saudi Arabia? What about China? Zaire. I could keep on. Japan. Korea. South Korea. North Korea. Vietnam. Philippines. Who's going to teach all these people the gospel? Now, sometimes we're quick to say, not me. How do you know it's not you? How do I know it's not me? What about Franklin? Williamson County. Murray County. Davidson County. Who's going to teach those people the gospel? We've got a lot to do in 2008, don't we? A lot of considering to do. Well, when we consider, then, what our response might be, in the directive that God's given us to go into all the world and teach the gospel, indirectly to us, but still we saw in those verses we looked at a couple of minutes ago that it's very important for us to spread the good news also. We can avoid that just the way that Jonah did and decide we're going to run from it and shirk our duty. Or we can decide, like Naaman did, that we can substitute some other function. Rather than helping someone learn the gospel, we'll just do something that appeals to us a little bit more, something that we like a little bit more. And, and that'll be a good substitute. Or maybe even trying to substitute the social gospel or the true gospel. And well, as long as we have a good time together, and then people will come in and they'll see what Jesus is all about. But we never try to teach them the word. It's not going to work, is it? We can't substitute our way for what God has to say, and we'll say it again. Paul told uh, the Romans in Romans 1 verse 16 that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. God's word is the power to save, not our own substitution. And then, of course, we can do exactly like Moses did at the first, and we can make excuses. Somebody else is better at that. They're a better teacher than I am. Is that true? Sure, it's true. There's always somebody who's better than I am. God wants me to go. God wants you to go. And do your part. Are we busy? I, you know, I'm busy. I've got lots of things going on. Yeah, we're busy. But God says go. And let's remember to keep our perspective when we think about how busy we are. How much importance does it have what you're busy with in a hundred years? A hundred years from now, will it matter how you did at work, how you did in school? Now, I'm not saying those things don't have a place, but will that really matter a hundred years from now? Maybe for some of the young ones out that might live over a hundred, maybe take it to 150 years. What's going to matter then? We're not going to be too concerned about that, but we will be concerned whether or not we follow the directives of God, whether we obey it when God says go. Well, before we talk about number four, Steve has another song to sing that will help us spur our minds on to, uh, to doing good things. That's a sobering song, because as I think of it, I'll let you think about it for your own case. There's probably some people I need to talk to Jesus about, or talk to about Jesus. Because as I think about that song, maybe some people could point to me, and I need to do a better job. And in 2008, I'm going to do a better job. And you can decide for yourself how you're going to apply that.
we can also obey as Abraham did. He was called to go out to that place which he would afterward receive as an inheritance, and he obeyed. Didn't question it. Didn't say, Lord, I've never been there before. That doesn't make any sense to me. He just did it. Not everybody has the same abilities, but everybody can do something in the furtherance of the gospel and in the saving of souls. But what I want to do is offer a quick suggestion. Decide that this week, if you're going to invite somebody to services or invite somebody to a Bible study, this week, is there anybody in the room who cannot do that? Now, what if the elders were to pass out a questionnaire next week asking, did you do that? Would that make any difference? Would that make it more important for us to do? Really, it shouldn't. That would be fine if they did that, but that, we shouldn't have to be taught as to do it that way. Let me close with this thought. First Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and verse 58, Paul tells the Corinthians, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's make 2008, if the Lord wills that we should live, all since 2008, let's make that a, a year where we are steadfast and immovable, and we're always, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Get your phone books out, you If you haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ, we want to give you that moment uh, to think about that tonight as we get ready to sing to what, 312? Number 312. And there'd be no better way to start off the new year than by putting on Christ in baptism. I like that account of Naaman that we read a while ago in 2 Kings, the uh, fifth chapter, because there are a lot of similarities between putting on Christ in baptism and what Naaman did to cleanse his leprosy. You see, after Naaman was cleansed of that horrible disease, what if somebody had come up to him and said, Naaman, how were you cured of that leprosy? I went and dipped in the Jordan seven times. Would that be the only thing he had to say about that? I think he would probably talk about the God of Israel who gave him that opportunity to be cleansed. And that's where grace comes in. Naaman going and dipping in the Jordan seven times didn't earn anything on his own. Nevertheless, he wasn't cleansed until he comes to the will of God. The baptism is the same thing. Sometimes the denominational world gets all up in a fuss and you start talking about baptism and saying, well, you say you're earning the right to go to heaven. You're saying you're earning your salvation. That's not so. What we're saying is, if God says it, I'm going to do it. And then I can receive what God has promised to us. Just like Naaman received that cleansing of the leprosy by doing exactly what God says. But ultimately, it's because of the grace of God that you have our be cleansed. And ultimately, it's because of God's love toward us and the blood of Jesus Christ that we can be saved from our sins. If anybody wants to put on Christ in baptism tonight, confessing his name for men, repenting of your sins, changing your attitude toward your way of life that this might be in sin, and by being buried in Christ in baptism, we want you to do that tonight. Please come forward as we stand and take your